Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Here is your host, Chris Tatro. So I'm excited to have another podcast here today. We have actually a pretty good episode here. We have Sean Knobloch out of Wisconsin as field staff. We also have Matthew Barrett and Garrett Miller. We're going to talk about some turkey hunting that occurred this last spring over in Wisconsin. This is an annual trip that they host, and it's grown over the years. There's been a lot of success, and hear a lot of people ranting and raving about how awesome it's been over there. So we know Sean puts on a pretty good uh, hunt that's over there with the assistance of Garrett. Garrett is uh, helps with the guiding side of things over in Wisconsin. Then we have Matthew Barrett, who is a a member of HHO who got to experience the hunt. So welcome everyone for being here. Excited to have you. I know we've had a handful of delays getting this podcast going. I had to go west for some fires in Oregon with work and that delayed some stuff. And, you know, getting four people lined up for a podcast is never easy, but appreciate you all being here tonight. So we're going to start off with Sean. Sean, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell everyone who you are, what you've been through, what you've done in the past, your military experience, and who you are with HHO. Yeah, uh, my name is Sean Knobloch. Um, um, I was a 17-year Marine Corps veteran uh, from 89 to 2006. Uh, got out, was missing the camaraderie of, of the military and found it with HHO um, was a member on a trip up with Tony Tessing up at his in-laws cabin, uh, fell in love with the organization on that event, um, became the state director, took, uh, started the state of Wisconsin chapter uh, in 2019, I believe. Uh, when, when did Hometown Heroes was founded in October of 17? Correct. You got it. Okay. So then I took over started Wisconsin in July of 2018. Um, and then uh, this was my first, I, I, I did some ice fishing trips here and there. Um, the Turkey trip, uh, former staff member, Ben Gruber, uh, approached us, put in a trip request to do this Turkey trip. And I, but he was looking for staff and I had never been Turkey hunting. Um, I said, yeah, I'd be interested in helping out. So Isaiah Hart and myself helped out. Um, that first year, I think we had four members and then, uh, Ben, myself and Isaiah took guys out. Well, that's kind of like the blind leading the blind if I'd never been turkey hunting, but it was a learning experience. I think we got, we harvested one bird that year, um, maybe two. Um, then Ben left the organization. He moved on and was uh, pursuing some other career things. And uh, I enjoyed the trip enough that I wanted to keep it going. So um, we kept it going in 2019. It was the first year. Uh, Garrett had been um, part of a fundraising uh, fishing tournament that we had at Lake Arbutus in the Black River Hatfield area where he's from. Uh, I met him that day. And he said he'd be involved. He'd be interested in becoming involved in, in helping veterans out on hunting. He he, goose hunts. He bear hunts. He turkey hunts. And when he said turkey hunting, my ears poked up because I had such a blast. So I was like, well, if I can get some help, I'd love to keep the trip going. And now we're four years into 
my running the trip. This was the fifth year of the trip. Um, and it, like, like you said, it grows every year. Um, this is a whole different type of trip than anything else that HHO has. Most of our trips, they enter, we select a certain amount of people. This one, the members dictate how many people. So, uh, I, I will look the, the Wisconsin DNR releases the bonus turkey tag quota about December timeframe. I'll look at the earliest season with the most tags available. I'll post on our page, on the HHO page, that this trip's coming up. If you're interested, get a, a, a permit and let me know that you get, send me a picture of the permit and you're in on the trip. That's all you have to do. If we have 30 people, we have 30 people. We'll figure it out. Um, luckily, so far, we haven't had that many. I think this year we had, what do we have, Garrett? Do you remember? 15? 14? Yeah, I believe it was 15, 15 this year. Yeah, yep. And uh, um, with Garrett's help, he has access to some private land. So we were he was able to get some guys out one-on-one um, for the last couple of years. The interesting thing about this trip is, 90%, I, I can't try to come up with the percentage trying to do the math, 90% of the people that go on this trip come every year because it's it's just the way that it's ran. And we, we turn Larry Haliski's, uh, a former staff member, we turn his yard into a campground, base camp, and uh, that's just where everybody meets up. We make a plan for the next day and we go out uh, hunting. Um, this year I, I expanded even further. I became friends with a custom call maker and he came on Saturday and did a, about a hour and a half seminar on how to call. And, uh, I'd say pretty much every member that was there for that ended up buying calls and mastering them before the end of the weekend. So it was a pretty cool thing, uh, to see the turkey hunting grow. A lot of the guys never have turkey hunted. They come and they learn all that in one weekend, and they continue to come back. It's a it's a pretty amazing experience. You know, turkey hunting is quite my jam. You know, sitting around and actually waiting for spring to come is huge. You're cooped up all winter. You're trying to get out of the house and free your mind a little bit, and get some exercise, do some different stuff. And I mean, I love I love the fall and all the hunting, but something about in the spring after getting the snow to melt up in the north here, and then getting in the outdoors, watching everything green up and hearing the birds come out and then having responsive turkeys be active around you is something, there's something to be said about that. Uh, and reactiveness is huge. Where I'm at in Minnesota here, like the deer, when you rattle deer and whatnot, I mean, you'll, you'll have some luck occasionally. It's not like in the South or anything like that, but the turkeys, when they get responsive, you can hear them and that thunder coming towards you. It's just, it's amazing, but no, it's an awesome trip. Uh, turkey hunting is a huge passion of mine and uh, i'm glad you get to share that experience with other people but garrett uh garrett is actually 47 years old he's a civilian here he's guided turkey and bear for 20 years he enjoys being in the outdoors and sharing stories with others he's also out of wisconsin garrett you want to introduce yourself and talk to the listeners about who you are uh, what got you into guiding like what's your outdoor passions and how do those begin yeah um I'm Gary Miller. I live here in Hatfield, Wisconsin. Um, at a young age, you know, three three years old or so, my dad used to take us hunting. And to be honest, from then it just it's it's something that comes natural here. Um, 
we live out in the country, so it's woods all around us. Um, so I enjoy hunting. And uh, along the way, as I got a little bit older, you know, a lot of people wanted to hunt. You know, you take them along with you, and you just see the excitement in them. And um, to be honest, I get more of a kick out of watching somebody else harvest an animal than I do. I, I get way more excited. Um, some of our bear hunters, um, our turkey hunters, you know, I hop up, I'm shaking hands, I'm shaking, you know, and they're just kind of, some of them are dumbfounded, you know, just looking at the animal and not real excited, but I, I think I cover that on the excitement. But, um, yeah, it's it just something that we always has done since kids, and um, it, it's something I really enjoy. Uh, we got a lot of turkeys around here, not quite as many as we used to. Um, we got a lot of, a lot of predators around uh, the last few years. Um, but the turkey, turkey population is pretty strong. Um, you got to put a lot of, a lot of miles on the truck, scout a lot of birds. Um, that's another thing. I just, I like to put a lot of time in it. Cause if I'm doing it, I want to be good at it. Um, you know, and I want to give the people the best chance and opportunity to, uh, uh harvest an animal. And, and if we don't harvest anything, that's great too. But, um, you know, just getting out there is a big thing for me. It, uh, it's enjoyable. You know, you hear those birds gobbling in the morning or you put them to bed at night, you know, at least it gives you an option in the morning. Um, things change overnight though. Uh, we've had birds hot at night in the morning. They don't say anything. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite the adventure out there every morning. You know, you hear a lot of birds, you know, you know, you got to decide which way you want to go and how you want to hunt them. Um, and a lot of things play into factor in that, but, uh, I, I enjoy helping all you guys. Um, uh, the reason I wanted to help is I was never in the military. I appreciate everybody that has been and that are still in the military. Um, it's kind of my way of giving back for what you guys give. So that's kind of where I'm at on uh, on donating my time. I mean, I do it anyways. It's just something I enjoy to do. But um, if I can help in any way doing this sort of stuff, I'm always there and always available. No, it's fantastic. Uh, I know that you said you have some bear hunting experience too. Uh, is, is it similar with a, since a young age, you kind of moved up doing that? Um, I didn't start bear hunting, um, myself, um, until probably I would say about eight years ago. I've always helped. Um, there's a local guide service that I've always helped, um, throughout the years. And that's kind of got me uh, interested in it, but it was always so much work. I never had enough time. I worked on the road, so I couldn't really give my myself a good enough chance to be in the woods. And um, it just the last few years, everything's really kind of clicking. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, my wife harvested her first bear. I was along with her, so that was cool. Um, last year, I shot a four ninety seven. Um, and my wife's got a tag again this year and we got two bears that are probably pushing 500, um, coming in daytime. So we'll see how that goes, but bear hunting around here. I mean, we've got a lot of bears, um, a lot of, a lot of hunting pressure. Um, but you just, you got to get after it. You got to go in deeper than most guys want to go in. Um, you know, so things, things stay a little easier when you're further back in the woods, but, uh, a lot of bears around here for sure. We'll talk a little bit more about the bear tactics there. I know things are a little different in Wisconsin than most states. Um, I, I know you guys aren't able to do any baiting over there. Is that right? No, we we bait. We can actually start baiting April 15th. Um, oh, and a lot of guys. In the bait. spring? Yep, yep. And not to eat. Our, our season starts this year 
September 6th, but every year it's April 15th. You can start baiting. I believe in, in uh, Minnesota, you guys got two weeks. I think this year you might have a little bit extra. Yep. I think it's almost pushing three weeks, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, but you can't hold, you can't hunt over bait. Oh uh, yeah. We can hunt over bait. Where oh, we're at. that's yep. different. Yeah. Actually the entire state, you can hunt over bait um, where we're at in zone C. Um, that's the only way you can hunt them. You can't run dogs um, in zone C, but you can, uh, you can train your dogs. You just can't hunt them in C. Um, I that's, that's that zone though. Like you can run dogs elsewhere in the state. Correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. I'm yeah. obviously been entirely wrong on everything right now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Northern Wisconsin, there's, I believe there's, uh, um, I believe there's five bear zones. There may be six. Um, but uh, C is, is they, it used to be the, the, half of the state below highway 64 used to be all zone C and um, you had a lot of dog runners down here that, that train them, but then come season you're know, a week before season, they can't run dogs anymore, but the Northern half, you can run dogs or you can sit as well. But, um, but they switched the, the zones up a little bit this year or the last two years. And uh, I think they just want to harvest a few more bears. It's a little your chances are a little bit better running dogs than sitting on baits because baits can go cold once the acorns drop and the, you know, the corn starts milking, which, you know, we're on a few bear sites and uh, that's what everybody's asking. What's everybody doing? Why can't the bears come in during the day? And um, it's just, it's natural food. They know what they need to put on, uh, wait for the winter to get through the winter. So, I mean, it doesn't matter really what you want to do. You just need to keep consistent um, on what you're doing. So, but well, that's uh, interesting. Um, it's, things must have changed the last couple of years for sure since I've dug into them. But we'll circle back a bit a little bit later and we'll talk more about bear and some different turkey hunting tactics and whatnot that you like to use. But we also have Matthew Barrett here. Matthew is a U.S. Marine veteran. He also lives in Wisconsin. He's a member of HHO and has attended the turkey trip. So, Matt, thanks for coming here, being available for the podcast. I, again, I apologize on the delays. But I'm happy you're here. So can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Maybe talk about your, your Marine Corps service, how long you served, how you got introduced to HHO and got hooked up with this awesome trip. You bet. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so uh, I served in the Marine Corps Camp Lejeune from uh, my active service was 84 to 88, 19, you know, uh, a few years ago. And uh, I was motor transport in a uh, artillery unit, 1st Battalion, 10th Marines. So um, good experience. I have, we have an annual reunion now in Ohio with, for our unit. So, which, you know, uh, hadn't seen them for 20 years and everybody started getting together. Uh, So that's good to see uh, all the Marines I served with. And then some that are even, uh, that served in that unit after I got out. So, um, I met the guys from hometown heroes here in Wisconsin at, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, I think it was the spring show, uh, in the Dells, uh, sportsman show expo. And it was really the last day I, I passed them a few times and didn't get, I had my niece with me and my dad didn't, didn't get a chance to talk to them and they had, they were set up a little late. So I was able to talk to them the last day of the show. And they told me about the turkey hunt. So I got on. And uh, so this was my first turkey hunt with them. And I had, you know, I try hunting. I hadn't harvested a bird in probably 15 years. 
and uh, usually just go out with myself. And um, and so this was a really opportunity. Garrett, when I first got up there, I think I got up there uh, Thursday and then hunted with Garrett for a couple of days before all the other guys come. And then he was able to set me up uh, on some private land and I was able to harvest one uh, sitting by myself. So uh, after we got the custom calls, uh, learned how to use it. And that was, you know, and I've always been over calling or, you know, not. So that little seminar was really, really helpful. And I got, I got my bird the, the next morning. So, uh, was, and was really fun. So, I mean, yeah, I there had, is a, there's an art to it, you know, any type of hunting, oh, yeah. you do, understanding yep. what the ins and outs are and, yeah, I'm sure, I think we all probably overcall. <laughs> I don't think I, that's... I think I think understanding, uh, especially the uh, with the seminar and and a couple of guys got their birds, understanding, you know that when the the turkeys get aggressive or shut off, you can you can get aggressive with your calling or you can calm down. And most of the time, uh, said if you get a little bit more aggressive, they'll they'll come in. You know, you don't have to be necessarily loud a little bit more aggressive calling seemed to, I think a couple of guys went out and tried some with the new mouth calls uh, or the, the glass slate call that we got. And, uh, and I think what out of 15 guys, nine, nine got birds. Uh, one doubled up. Wasn't that, uh, who, would, who was it that doubled up? Kelly. The trip? Kelly. Kelly Halverson. Yeah. Hey, Kelly yeah. and his father doubled up. And then I doubled up with one of the members as well. Yeah. But I think Kelly Kelly got two birds during the trip. So he because he had two he had uh, two zones because that was what was nice. That was what's really nice about this trip is is it is it just across the road you've got two different zones so you can have two tags for the same season in two different zones. So that's a nice unique thing about this as well is I got my I got my turkey in in one zone. Well, I could stay for the rest of the weekend and hunt it and hunt in the other zone. And, and what was nice is Garrett, you know, living around there, he has, he has private land. He knows all the public land and, and where, so he drove around and had, had, you know, try this space. If you, you know, get up on the road, locate it. If you hear it, get in the woods, you know, or if you see one running on the road, you know, just get out your truck and, and go sit down, you know. So just some very nice uh, uh, advice from Garrett. And, you know, like I said, he had some family plots. He had some other private landowners that allowed us all to come on without without Garrett being there. So he had that set up. The landowners, you know, trusted that, that you know, Garrett knew us enough that, you know, they, they trusted, the private landowners trusted us to come on their land and, and uh, respect that land. So. Yeah, it speaks pretty loudly regarding, you know, everyone and their willingness to want to help out with the organization to be able to give back. And, and some people might not be able to give a whole lot. That's fine. Totally fine. But, you know, even giving space for us to go and enjoy hunts or access to some type of water, body of water to go either enjoy or recreate on when it comes to maybe boating or fishing is huge. And uh, working with those relationships with those landowners is massive, too. You know, one of the biggest things that I always like to share with our field staff and our members, too, is, you know, like our hunting community and 
angling, snowmobiling, ATVing, all of us, we're a very small user group when it comes to the population. You know, and a lot of us enjoy these things and we're passionate about it. You know, so being able to represent the rest of us is huge. So being respectful of those landowners and understanding uh, what their boundaries are and respecting the request that they have is very paramount for any type of outdoors person, but also for the organization to, to for them to be able to give to us and then us respect those boundaries is huge. Um, so putting in that work, finding those relationships with those people is a lot of work too. Um, but also making sure that you're maintaining those relationships is something that can last a lifetime. So Garrett, I appreciate you putting in that work for all that stuff. It's, I know it's a lot. Um, when I was up on the Lax Lake still up in central Minnesota, we put on a, a turkey hunt early in the organization too. And I had a lot of good relationships with landowners up there and we hosted, I want to say 10 or 15 hunters up there for a turkey hunt in the spring. And it was phenomenal. Again, going back to waiting all winter, being cooped up, you know, like I was ready. The members were ready. It was exciting. And just the reactiveness of the birds in the outdoors is pretty exciting, but now appreciate that. So Matt, thanks for talking about your experience. We'll talk about it a bit more. We're going to flip back over to Garrett. Garrett, let's talk about a little bit more of your turkey hunting tactics that you use. What are the different things that help make you successful? Like when you're scouting, um, understanding where roosts are, what kind of calls and tactics do you use? I know that Sean said he had some calls that were made. You know, like what kind of things are the tactics that you use to be successful and get these members on birds and be successful at harvesting them? Well, in Jackson County, where I'm at, uh, we butt right close up to Clark County as well. Um, there's thousands and thousands of, of public acres to hunt. Um, it's it just, it's amazing how much land there is to actually hunt. Um, the biggest thing is you need to put miles on, on the truck, um, before the season, you know, up and down the roads, you know, you see some hens, you know, you know, if you see hens in the spring, um, there's toms around. I mean, it's just, you know, he may not be out there, um, right now, but you just, you know, I hit a pin on my truck and, you know, you go back there early in the morning, you try to get them the gobble. Uh, you go back there in the evening, try to get them the gobble. And they, you know, a lot of times the birds over here, they got, or they roost pretty close to the same spot, um, every night where they roost. Um, they might shift a tree or two. It depends on if they're interrupted getting back to the roost in the evening, but, um, usually they're in the general area. So, uh, you just mark those down and, and, uh, you go to the next one and you try to find them. Um, but it, it's a lot of miles. I mean, you put a lot of miles on, um, it's, I do a lot of hunting and, um, a lot, a lot of goose hunting in the fall too. So there's miles there too, scouting, but by far spring, I put the most miles on, on my truck looking for turkeys. But, um, you know, in in the private property, uh, that I have, that's a little bit easier. Um, you know, my brother owns a a big farm, not a big farm, but you know, a pretty good sized farm. So, um, there's birds there every year. Uh, wouldn't even really have to scout it, just hunt it. They're there. Um, same with my father-in-laws. Um, he's got 80 acres, probably a 35 acre field. Uh, the birds are, the birds have been there for the last, I don't know, uh, eight years that I know of. Um, they're there every year. So, um, and we've harvested, um, off my father-in-law's this last year, I believe we shot, uh, five toms off of that property. Um, and, 
to be honest, we barely touched them. So, um, like I said, there's good population, but the tactics, you know, for, for the turkey hunt for me is, is, um, j- just a lot of miles, you know, you, you, you get out there, you find the birds, you pin them. Um, I'm 99% a diaphragm guy. Um, I do use a slate early in the morning while they're on the roost just to get them a little bit fired up. But other than that, I'm, I got a straight diaphragm, you know, I buy three of the same call, for the year when one starts running low or, you know, getting wore out, I, I have another one, but, um, that Tony Myers, he's the, he's the fellow that, uh, makes these custom calls. I did purchase one from him. Um, I like a raspy call. Um, I've always liked a super raspy call, you know, like a two pack a day girl, you know? So it's, it's a, a big difference. I feel, I mean, for my experience, it seems like it helps. Um, you can get on them real hard, um, if the birds are quiet, you know, you can get them to get fired up, you know, um, get them to gobble here and there. That's the biggest thing, you know, so if you got to move, um, you can move, but that's, you know, that, that's about it for, for calling. Um, you know, you try not to overcall. I mean, like you said, you know, everybody does it. I catch myself doing it. Um, I think the biggest thing about overcalling is people want to know where that bird is. If they can't see them, that's a big thing about hunting over here in the woods, um, uh, against the, the farmland farmland. I can watch an 80 acre field and see the birds the whole time in the woods, you know, they get in 20 yards, some of the places where we're at before you can even see them. Um, so you're trying to get them to gobble just so you know, you know, you could have a bird to your left and you're set up to your left and he doesn't gobble, doesn't gobble. And you're sitting there and all of a sudden he gobbles and he's on your right. And now, you know, now you're kind of stuck. So I think that that's where a lot of people kind of overcall is they, they want to hear that bird gobble. And I get it because it's, there's nothing cooler than hearing one of them chickens bellering away, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes overcalling, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the biggest thing with turkeys is, you know, if it doesn't work today, you can try that bird again tomorrow, try a different, different tactic, you know, uh, be relentless. You, you know, if you find a bird, hunt them till you kill them. Um, that's kind of what we do over here. I, uh, I have other birds I can hunt, but I kind of get it under my skin and I'm like, you know, if you beat me, I'm going to beat you. So I, I keep after it until I get you. <laughs> that's awesome. Are you using a, are you like running and gunning you using a, I, I assume you're sitting at the base of trees. It sounds like for the most part, or are you using blinds? Yeah. On the, on the private, um, I'm not much of a blind guy. Um, I do, you know, if I hunt with my wife, she, she hunts out of blind a little bit. Um, other than that, you know, um, I like turkey chairs. Um, I'm a big fella. So if I sit on the bottom of a tree, my legs go to sleep. So I like the turkey chairs. Um, it's a little more to tote around with you, but, uh, you can make them quiet. Um, but we run and gun. Um, I, uh, I'll give up on birds if it's not working. And I, I prefer to make it happen than let it happen. Um, you know, sometimes they come running in, sometimes they don't, but, um, if, if I'm not, you know, to be honest, if I'm not killing a bird and in 45 minutes from them coming out of the roost, I'm moving on to another bird. You'll find birds later in the day too, that are all super active after the hens are bred in the morning. Um, a lot of times the afternoons are better than the mornings. Um, uh, sometimes not as vocal, but you don't have a lot of hens, uh, buggering you up. So, um, what about decoys? So what kind of decoys are you running? Uh, when I run and gun through the woods, we don't take any decoys at all. Just okay. because by the time, but by, by the time you or they would see your decoy, they should be close enough to shoot. Because where we hunt, it's it's pretty thick. 
Um, in the, in the fields, yeah, in the fields that we hunt, um, I usually run. I try to run like two feeders um, and a. Sometimes I run a, a quarter strut Jake, and I have a laydown um, uh, hen. Um, I used to have one of the um, alert hens. I feel that that makes them a little more leery and uh, skittish. Uh, the feeding hens, I just feel that you know it's more relaxed, um, that sort of thing. Um, but I'll run. You know, I think one of the hunts this year, I ran four decoys. I ran a, a quarter strut Jake, um, the laydown, and then I had two feeders. You know, um, when we doubled up on those turkeys that day, um, they came from our left. It was it was a, a place that uh, me and Matthew had hunted, um, I think, two mornings. And we had birds every morning, and they just went. They were roosted on somebody else's property. They went out another field two days in a row. And then I went with another guy, and they came into the field like they're supposed to. They walked right by the decoys, and we had another bird on the other side of the, the field. And it's they could have cared less about the decoys. It was funny because they walked right by them. Um, but I think, you know, birds that are held up in the woods a little bit looking into a field, if they see that, you know, they like to see what they hear. You know, I mean, if they can't see those hens, you know, yelping away, they, they get skittish. You know, I mean – they get hunted enough to where they're pretty smart. You know, a lot of people say turkeys are the dumbest bird. Uh, wait till you hunt them. They'll, they'll prove you wrong. <laughs> I was going to say they're the loudest bird in the woods when it comes to the fall. But when you get into the spring, man, that's a whole different game. Whole different game. I And everyone's like, well, they're dumb birds in the fall. You can hunt them easier. And I, they're still not as easy in the fall either. I mean, yeah, you can hit them from your deer stand or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, they definitely... Uh, they're on their A game when it comes to being in the spring and they can come up on you real quick, but yeah, no, turkeys are awesome and it's fun. We'll return to the podcast in a moment, but first we want to thank silencer central for supporting our podcast. Silencer central has been making silencer buying simple since 2005 and works tirelessly on behalf of suppressor owners everywhere. Go to silencercentral.com to learn about how to buy a suppressor and browse their product catalog. Now, back to our podcast. You know, I just read something recently, too, that there's a population decline across the country. I'll have to dig into that article a bit more, too, but I think it's a holding capacity thing where, you know, they've hit a peak in population and now they're kind of declining a little bit. So we'll see what happens with the future here. But I know one of my partners and good friends is up in Ely and, he had a turkey running through his yard this year. So it just shows how far they've migrated. And um, when I first started hunting turkeys, when I got back from Iraq, would have been 2007. They were just sparsely showing up in central Minnesota. Um, you know, so they're, they're moving, but it's taking time. But they're getting there and they're, they're resilient creatures, you know, and the conservation's been pretty good. But hey, Sean, so I want to talk about the complexities of, putting together a trip like this and different things that go into it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this, this one's pretty, like I said, it's a lot easier because it's, it's, you don't have to worry about the guys that are going to back out at the last minute. Um, Cause for them to come on this trip, they have to, they have to purchase the permit. Once they do that, it pretty much tells me that they're locked in. Uh, we did have one guy that, sent us a picture of he had tags for both zones uh let me talk about that really quick because it's been mentioned 
we are in the Black River Falls area. Jackson County Forest is on one side of Highway 54. Uh, what's the other one? Black River County Forest? Is that a county forest on the other side? Yeah, there, there's county and state property. So it's yeah. uh, south of 54 is zone one and north of 50, or 54 is zone three. Yep, yep. So we have we have two different zones, which which makes it even better for for the tag availability. And the la both of the last two years, we've had guys shoot birds on the first day. Uh, we had last year we had a uh, Curly, a retired sergeant major, shot his bird the night before the actual HHO hunt even started. Uh, the HHO hunt is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. However. If they have the tag, the season opens on Wednesday, so they can come whenever. And we, if Garrett's available, he hunts with them. Curly shot one butt an hour into the season last year. He only had the one tag. He was done. But he still hung out with us all weekend. Uh, this year, uh, like Matthew, shot his, but he still had the other zone to hunt. He still was able to hang out. Um, so it's a little bit easier uh, for setting up this type of trip. Uh, last year, we did something different. Uh, of the four years that I've ran it, three years we've camped at Larry's. Last year we did something a little different. Uh, Larry was out in Colorado transitioning to retirement from the military, so we weren't able to use his land. Um, but my aunt and uncle have an Airbnb cabin up on Lake Arbutus, which is uh, Garrett's backyard. He, he fishes that lake every week, so he knows that area. We were able to utilize that uh, cabin. Uh, slept, I believe, 12, um, and, and it was nice, but it, it, it's an added cost if we could just camp in someone's backyard. And I like I like the, uh, the closeness of being in a yard. Uh, you have the campfire every night. Um, it, it, it's just an awesome – to find people, Garrett pretty much fell into our lap at that uh, fishing, he he participated in a fundraising fishing event. Ended up winning a fishing trip, didn't you? Your wife and you went on a fishing trip that you won on that Lake Arbutus outing that Larry had. Yeah, we won a, a eight hour guided trip with actually a two day trip with Max Wilson. He's a uh, he's on the circuit and that sort of stuff over on Green Bay. Um, yeah, we we won that just pulling cards on a deck of cards. So uh, I, I was excited about that. So, yeah, that's how we met Garrett. And, and Garrett's pretty much, uh, he's the first person I call when when the dates come out. You know, we look at our calendars and my first person to, to go to is Garrett. Hey, are you available that week or should we push it back to the next week? Even though there might be less tags or um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, maybe I didn't on the podcast, but one of the big things that we have to look at every year is ATV trails are prominent through the entire land that we hunt, both sides of the road, both zones, and the trails open on May 15th. That season that we aim for usually is the week before. Uh, this year, we were fortunate. Uh, the 15th was on a Monday. A lot of the zones, a lot of the ATV trails and zones in the state opened on that Saturday just because that brings people to the communities, which brings money into the communities. Jackson County said, no, we're not doing that. Trails open on the 15th. So we had that last weekend. And I think that's what's, what benefited us this year because we've had that every year that 
the trails open on Saturday and Sunday. So we really only have Thursday and Friday to really go after them. And then we have some land that's away from the trails, but that's a big thing that we look at. Um, as far as food, you know, we've always had, we've always been lucky with, with this, this group, everyone brings something and chips in. So there's not really a budget for food that I have to ask for. Um, so it, it's just worked out. Um, this is of all the things that I've done with HHO. This is probably my favorite trip. Um, I I've done a lot, you know, with ice fishing and some fundraisers for some suicide awareness groups that, that those are also important, but this one is one that I was part of the first year and I've helped it grow and to see it grow from the first year, we got, I think one bird, I think the first year Garrett was involved with us. We, you know, the birds just weren't there. We only got a couple. Then last year, I think we got five and this year we're up to nine. And, you know, I, the, the, the population is down. It's obvious. Uh, I went to South Dakota this year for a week out in the black Hills and I went in there thinking, Oh, it's, this is easy. This is a destination. This is where it's going to be. Everybody I talked to, they weren't on birds. We were on birds. We heard them. We saw a couple hens. We never got on the on the toms. And but yet you see the you follow these South Dakota turkey pages on Facebook, and you see guys getting birds day after day after day. And you're like, why couldn't I get on them? But then you find out these guys, like he said, the deeper that you go in to the woods, willing to put in the work, makes it a lot easier because the birds are going where the pressure is not. You could use rifles in South Dakota too. I mean, you can shoot those things when they're running away for third the third day. <laughs> Watch them run away. We we uh we were in the Black Hills area, and I my father in law might be watching this, so I'm not going to put the blame on my father in law. But I I had to keep in mind that he was 65 years old, and out there, it, the birds might be right across the valley, but that valley is a four hour oh, it's work, work. Uh, walk. It, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough for me at a healthy, active 52 year old, 53 next week, but you're being pretty generous to yourself there. <laughs> a 65 year old <laughs> that, that, uh, that, you know, he's done his time in the woods. It, I watched it wear him down. So, I mean, yeah, well, it, but I mean, we were on, we were on birds and one thing i learned about the south dakota trip and it's like garrett said if you hear a bird you stay on them till you get them especially out there there is no other birds there there might not be another bird so you got to stay on the ones you hear and that was the biggest mistake i made this year well it's live and let learn right that's just how things go no it sounds like a really good trip you know and i'm happy that you guys get to experience that and put it on and it sounds like it the, for the most part planning's easy people show up and that's that's a bigger hurdle that our listeners may not know about is a lot of the times getting people to commit to these adventures that we host sometimes can be difficult you know uh, we have 10 people that put in for a trip and we'll get a 50 percent back out rate if not higher we have to find replacements for people and um, sometimes i don't know if it's a combination of the fact that people don't think they'll get drawn and they don't ask their significant other for permission or they got another family event that they're for, forgetting or you know mo- the biggest excuse is oh that's my kid's birthday and how do how do we argue that you know we're like well yeah you got to be there for your kid's birthday I, sorry you forgot about it until the week of you know so i mean i get it life happens too we're not going to give people a hard time for not going but that's that's another thing is 
filling these trips and keeping them filled is really difficult to do. So it sounds like this one is pretty self-fulfilling, which is good to hear. But hey, Matt, so is there anything else you wanted to talk about your experience or your hunt or anything like that? Um, I'd like to add one thing that uh, especially Garrett and Sean and them did. Um, they kind of they introduced me to uh, Onyx, uh, right? The, is that Onyx? Yeah, the, the application. Yep. Because what what we did is each night we shared, you know, and and Garrett had points, and as as him and I were out, he'd mark mark birds on there, and then if there were individuals that came felt comfortable going out on their own, they'd just drop the points to them. You know, and say, here's where we saw, heard a bird last night, or we roosted some, so that it gave that opportunity for everybody to to try a bird, you know, uh, where we did locate them, and we couldn't put, you know, uh, if if not everybody could go out or, you know, and, and scout, that, that pre-scouting was done, um, and birds were located as well. So I think that helped with our success. Um Onyx is a phenomenal application. That app has so much that it can do. You know, it talks about public land, private land, talks about land ownership, how to contact people, what zone you're in, talks about weather, wind direction. I mean, you go to North Dakota too, they have this new um, electric, uh, uh, I'm sorry, trespassing, electronic trespassing that they have up there. So you can Mm -hmm. mark your own land up there and yeah. I mean, it's very interactive. And I think it even shows wildfires on it, too, if you're out west. You know, it shows where the wildfires are out and active. So, yeah, it's very, it's a very awesome application that you can use yeah. on your phone. And you can download. A lot of people don't know. You can download those maps to your phone. So if you don't have service, you can still use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I just I, I got the free app, and then I bought Wisconsin just to get some of those extra things. You know, and I usually don't buy a lot of apps like that, you know. Because it's like, which one do you want? I ended up buying, like I said, Wisconsin. So it gave me, like you said, the zone, the you know, for the season, and it adds, you know, just a nice little layer there. Uh, that you know, Garrett's hard work in the in the off seasons, or just where he knows the birds have been. Um, and for us that aren't familiar with the area, it just gave us a, a quick reference, and here you go. You know, you can you can get yourself. Uh, right out there so i thought that was a nice that's a nice added feature that that everybody was using so yeah it's a app that was started in 2009 by eric siegfried to help hunters including himself public land public land boundaries while in the field he had a vision to how accurate location data with plug and play simplicity would support hunters and explorers alike his determination and passion led first to the original Onyx chip, establishing an Onyx as the first land data company of its kind. And then the app was actually created in 2013, which people have been able to use with their phones. So it's been uh, the advancement's been huge. Uh, not to butt in here quick. I just saw a commercial, I believe, yesterday. Um, they have some sort of deal with Onyx now, too, that you can have it on your vehicle. Um right on the screen on your truck or whatever. Um, I haven't looked into it too much, but I did see a commercial. I think that'd be a, a, a fantastic tool to have. So you're not constantly messing on your phone while you're driving down the you, road. You can, you, you got a, you got a screen in your truck, Garrett. I do. I, not I will, the one that I was in. No, that's my hunting truck. I have one. in my <laughs> the hunting truck. That's the one I don't mind uh, bumping, bumping branches and stuff. But my other one, one in it. Love it. Cool. 
the the one thing about this trip um is we get different experience levels um four years ago when i when i took the trip over i was not a turkey hunter i was a wannabe turkey hunter not that i i would say i'm a turkey hunter now but i'm a because of people like garrett and the help that i've gotten learning from these apps going to webinars working with people like garrett working with uh tony myers custom calls i consider myself an experienced turkey hunter now so if we get five guys that have never turkey hunted before i feel comfortable taking one out that first year that i did it, it that garrett was part of it garrett was my go-to i had four guys that had never turkey hunted before and they had to rotate with going with garrett because you couldn't have four people go i took one of them i was like well we'll see what we can do we never had any luck now um and i think everybody uh we have kelly halverson who's been on the trip every year that i've had it except for last year um um there two years ago um he has been hunting turkeys for a lot of years and he's been very successful with it um he he's one that we can always send people out but with this onyx it opens up a whole new game to send some mediocre hunter with someone that's not experienced if they know there's a bird there or how to get to where the bird was so onyx is a big discovery for for the turkey hunting world I mean, it's definitely another factor that helps with hunters, but still got to know what you're doing a little bit. So it's like, and like you go fishing, it's, it's not catching, it's fishing still. Like, can't make things happen, but no, totally, I agree. Well, gentlemen, we're at 46 minutes for the podcast, and I really appreciate the conversation we've had at this point. Sean, I just wanted to give you the floor here for another minute or two to talk about Wisconsin itself and the other trips that you guys host over there. I know you guys do the Atomic Fishing Derby. You guys usually have a huge waterfowl opener that you guys engage in. Um, and just talk about some of those trips and some of the other things that are coming up for this fall. Yeah, um, he mentioned the Atomic. The Atomic's uh, one of the events that I do every – it's the always the Saturday before the Super Bowl week, uh, which is also the same weekend that Garrett hosts a – fishing tournament up on Lake Arbutus that benefits a volunteer fire department, which this year um, I'm hoping to be able to make an appearance at both. Obviously I, I put on the atomic, but um, with HHO uh, on our fifth anniversary this last year, allowing firefighters and first responders, I think Garrett's uh, event would be beneficial for us to have a presence at and get our word out. Um, um, we just recently had a leadership change, you know, after five years, um, there's a lot of work that goes into even being field staff. And, and as you go up the, the ladder, uh, I was the state director for five years. Um, um, I, I can't, can't imagine the work and the phone calls that you guys get on the board level. But when, when a state goes out long and you don't see a lot of, a lot of traction being made, it's time for a change. And, and the state director was a good place to change. So I stepped down as state director. Isaiah stepped into the role, get some fresh fresh blood in there to go out and make new contacts. Um, and it gives me an opportunity to step back and, and be back as a field staff and re be reminded of why I love the organization. Uh, the the end, end goal is to get law enforcement, military veterans, firefighters, first responders out on recreational 
therapeutical hunting and, and uh, fishing ex, uh, outdoor ex, uh, experiences. And I kind of lost that and uh, started to get frustrated. And it was time for a change. Um, I, I, I'm the first to admit I was a little bitter at the change, but now I'm embracing it. And I, I could be happier with where Isaiah is going to take this. We've, we're still in communication daily. I, I can't be more excited to see where the state of Wisconsin goes. And it's only going to help HHO grow even more. Um, I know that they just had a big sturgeon fishing trip or a, a, not a sturgeon fishing trip, a, stir, a fishing trip in Sturgeon Bay um, on the Bay of Green Bay just a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, we do a duck opener every year. Uh, Gary Alberts uh, has taken that over. Um, that's usually over in the Montello, Wisconsin area. Um, so we have a lot going on. Um, if you if you just stumbled across us, I, I by the via this podcast, I if you are a veteran, uh, law enforcement, uh, firefighter, first responder, I invite you to check out our page, hometownherooutdoors.org. Go to our Facebook. We have multiple different pages. We have a community page where, hey, I'm looking for a, a veteran-owned company to do this to my house or do this. And then we have one that if, you know, if, if we all know that uh, veterans uh, lead lead American suicide. Suicide something that's been near and dear to, I know, Charlie's heart. Um, this last year, we were, we were able to do some suicide intervention skills training that I still use to this day. I, I, even if I go a couple days without talking to someone or weeks, I'll still pull out that card that we got and I'll, I'll look at it just to remind myself in case it comes up. Because when you get that call, you don't have time to say, hold on, let me get my cheat card on how to help you. So, I, I still stay up on it. Um, the organization is second to none as far as not only the the experiences that we get to take people out on, but the support that we give to the people that have given us. So um, I would like to thank Garrett um, for all the help that he's given me on this trip for four years. Look forward to keep going. Garrett, we, we could go on for hours if we start telling stories about someone gets a little cold in the morning or something like that. Uh, but uh, without people like Garrett, Larry, who opens up his yard, um, uh, Anthony Myers, custom calls for coming out this year. And this is all for the members, but this trip won't happen without the members. So Matthew, I appreciate you and all the members that come on these trips. Um, it, and I'm sure Matthew will tell you, you come on one, you're going to want to come on a lot. Yeah, they can be a little addicting. That's for sure. You know, that's okay. That's what we want though. That's the, be able to establish that camaraderie and get to know people and build your network. So, but yeah, so I'm going to have you guys do some closing statements. I know Matt, you're ready to talk about something here, but um, just want to kind of recap or wind down on your final thoughts for the, for the podcast. Um. I'd just like to say thank you, too, to Sean and Garrett for their time in this. Uh, it was a great first trip, and I do plan on doing more. Um, I'll, I'm, I want some information on the duck hunting and the, uh, the ice fishing because those are something that I've, that I've wanted to get into. I, I've never been waterfowl hunting, so it's something that I'd like to do. And, uh, and you know, just having... Uh, I, my, I've got an 80-year-old dad that, that 
deer hunts with me, but he doesn't do much other hunting other than, than bow hunt and rifle hunt. So, uh, so I like spending the time with him, but I also like spending time with, uh, my military brothers and sisters to, you know, like-minded people. And it's just great time. And, uh, my wife doesn't hunt and she doesn't eat anything that I hunt. So, Mm -hmm. so, (laughs) so, that's uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of, I've been married for 37 years and it's kind of our time apart. 37 man so, props to you that's thank you said 37 uh, like three and a seven three seven i was i got i met her i met her the first when, week when you were six you've been married since you're six got yeah yeah got yeah. it so i met her at myrtle beach the the actually the first night that i got to my unit at alpha battery first battalion 10th marine to camp lejeune got on the back of a uh one of the marine got i got to the squad bay he goes what are you doing i said i don't know he said, you want to go to Myrtle Beach? I'm like, where's that? You know, he says, let's go. So we went and met her and I've been with her ever since. So that's awesome. And, uh, worked, worked out. Good and, for you. And, you, you know, know, not a secret military marriages and relationships are never usually easy. don't work out. No. Yeah, and so and, and I think, I think we're the only ones that are still married out of everybody that, that I served with. So, well, um, I'd also, I'd also like to say, um, I, I was looking for some contacts uh, at the Sporting Goods Show. I have 31 acres here in Sauk County. I have There's 1,000 acres of public right across the street from me. Um, as you see, in, in, you know, when it was light in my background, I've got some flat land here that's wheelchair accessible, you know, powered wheelchair. So I'm trying to hook up with some disabled veteran, you know, so if anybody knows of, you know, disabled veteran that's, that's looking for a place to do any hunting deer hunting um i do have coyotes here so i'm looking to do some predator hunting um but if anybody's interested they can you know uh, look me up on facebook and private message me and you know see what we can work out like i said i've got i've got one little condo stand uh that's not really but i got some blinds or we can set something up you know if it's if it's cold out and you know i'm willing to to share my land with 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 somebody like that that needs some well, access. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Matt, let's touch base on that. We can get you okay. more in depth with Sean or Isaiah. You know, we actually have a track chair here in Minnesota, not too far away. Okay. You know, okay. so if we want yeah. to get someone out there, we can we can come and yeah. set something up and get some people out to hunt. Sounds good. But thanks oh. for the opportunity here. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast and talking about your experience and everything that's there. So Garrett, do you have any last comments you'd like to make? Um, yeah, just pertaining to that, uh, atomic fishing derby that, um, um, Sean does there. Um, same weekend as mine. Um, I have a walleye only contest on Lake Arbutus. Um, I donate all the money, all the proceeds, uh, to our local, uh, volunteer fire department. I believe over the last five years, I think I've gave them close to $20,000. Um, you get a group of guys that come up from HHO and I will pay for their entry fee. So that's a, a little extra boost for you to bring some of your fellers up there. So, but oh, I, really, yeah, I, I really enjoy this podcast. It was great. Um, I think all you uh, veterans that served um, and all the ones that are continuing to serve, um, you guys give us what we have. So without you, we, we would be probably in a little bit further, uh, decline in what we are, but uh, without veterans like you guys, 
um, we, we get to do what we want to do because of you guys. So I appreciate that very much. Uh, totally appreciate you giving back and being able to share your passions with people that have never had that passion before. And you know, our biggest thing is, you know, sometimes I get yelled at, you know, you know what, Chris, like you got us out duck hunting and now I'm going to be in debt forever. Cause I got to buy a blind and some decoys and it just happens, but that's okay. I'd rather that I'd rather have people here experiencing the stuff in the outdoors and sharing it with others. So really appreciate cool. you and your time there. I already bought a, a pair of heated waders in anticipation. So, Oh man, see <laughs> another one for the another, another one to check in the box about a little bit more debt for another member. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to thank everyone for coming on the podcast, you know, and, and your time, Sean, you know, to speak about, the leadership change and everything in Wisconsin. I really appreciate your time and the role and you've, what you've provided there. We know that, you know, you know, sometimes things need to be uh, uh, reevaluated personally and, and in, in, uh, as an organization, but at the same time, that's not a bad thing. You know, the change is never a bad thing. And sometimes we need to reset ourselves, which is fine. And we see that constantly throughout the organization with other individuals and volunteering. We always tell people family life is number one. Your profession is number two. You got to pay the bills. And then number three, you got extra time. You can volunteer, but if you don't have that time, it's okay. Um, you know, so that transition is fine, but we really appreciate everything that you have done as a state director. And I think that there's been a lot of good things that have come of it to include the relationships that we're talking about on this podcast. So that's really awesome. But at the core, you know, what you're doing with this trip is what we're here for and what to do. And it can be stressful to be in a leadership position and trying to manage all that stuff because there's a lot of personalities you have to manage, especially as volunteers. It's like herding cats. And I will continue to say that when you're managing volunteers, people who are not getting paid, there's nothing easy about it. Um, so you have to be very, very aware of your communication skills with other individuals and um, how you treat people as huge. So it's not easy and it can be difficult. So appreciate that, Sean. I know it's not easy. And it was five years that it's probably not easy <laughs> to do. So, uh, so I'm glad to hear that, you know, things are tapering off and you're just starting to enjoy the, the core aspects of why we're here. So really appreciate that. But so for today's podcast, you know, my bourbon is now empty, which tells me that, you know, we're at an hour, you know, it takes me about an hour for one bourbon and I am good to go for the, <laughs> the evening and the podcast. And I appreciate everyone being here tonight, but I do want to say that, if you are a uh, veteran service member of the military, a law enforcement officer, EMS, or fire, if you're finding yourself in a position where you're having difficult times, might be dark on that day, or you just need to talk to someone, please reach out. We are trained in applied suicide inter intervention skills training throughout the organization, and we're here for you. This is what we're here for. Or you can contact 988 you can call that phone number. It's a suicide crisis line. There's always someone there that'll answer, but I can guarantee you that someone in HHO will answer too. So please be mindful of that. But with that, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you being here. Uh, we are on an hour exactly. I told you time goes fast. So appreciate you all, and we will see everyone thank else you. on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hometown Hero Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit our website at hometownherooutdoors.org.